0: This podcast episode is sponsored by Avenir Pharmaceuticals. The content in this episode was not developed or endorsed by Avenir Pharmaceuticals. Welcome to AMDA on the Hill. Your opportunity to keep up to date with the latest policy and advocacy news from AMDA, the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. AMDA on the Hill is produced in association with AMDA on the Go and available on the same podcast channel. And now, here's your host for AMDA on the Hill, Alex Bardock.
1: Hello, and welcome to AMDA on the Hill, your periodic updates on AMDA's public policy and advocacy activities. My name is Alex Bardock, and I'm the Director of Policy and Advocacy here at AMDA. And as usual, I just wanted to update you on uh, what's been going on over the last a month or so. Uh, and I wanted to start with, uh, with a memorandum that was issued on April 7th by CMS that has garnered a lot of questions, uh, so I will update you where, where we are. Uh, so on April 7th, uh, CMS issued a memo that ended uh, some of the 1135 waivers that had been in place since March of 2020. Uh, even though the public health emergency is still in effect uh, and it is actually extended until mid-July and is likely to be extended until the end of the year, CMS has the authority to end some of the waivers that were Uh, put in place at the beginning of the pandemic or at the beginning of the public health emergency. In the April 7th memo that I've already mentioned, they did indeed end some of those waivers. Uh, Some of them ended as of May 7th and others will end uh, later next month. So what did they end on May 7th? There were uh, a bunch of them uh, physician delegation of tasks, such as nurse practitioners being able to perform initial visits, you could do that under 1135 uh, during the public health emergency under this waiver. You will no longer be able to do that. It goes back to sort of the original uh, regulatory scheme where uh, a physician has to complete uh, an initial visit. Uh, and of course, as always, must be under supervision of a physician. So some of those things were in there. Um, The one that's garnered the most attention and probably has the most questions that I've received over the last month or so is the waiver around telehealth. So in March of 2020, CMS uh, issued a waiver that allowed essentially unlimited use of telehealth in the nursing home space. That means you could bill initial visits uh, via telehealth, you could do all of your subsequent care visits via telehealth, all of your mandatory visits, uh, all of that could be done via telehealth. So on April 7th, what CMS said is one of those things has ended as of May 7th, and that is your mandatory visits, uh, so for the first 90 days, every 30 days, and then every 60 days thereafter, those regulatory mandated visits must now be completed in person. They can no longer be done via telehealth. However, as CMS has confirmed uh, to us, you can still use telehealth as you had been without any Restriction. That means you can complete uh, as many visits uh, and any type of visit uh, as you like for the duration of the public health emergency. Now, as soon as the public health emergency ends, uh, what happens is that the only codes that will be billable via telehealth are those subsequent care codes, 99307 to 99310. Uh, Per regulations that were issued during the pandemic, Uh, those visits will be limited via telehealth again to once every 14 days. So you can't use telehealth for subsequent care visits more frequently than once every 14 days. Uh, Again, this is once the public health emergency ends. Uh, We have written a, a number of articles on this and clarifying articles. So hopefully, Uh, All of that is already known to you. If not, please go ahead and check those out or uh, feel free to ask us any questions. I have gotten a lot of questions. There's a lot of confusion out there uh, from facilities to others who don't really know uh, what CMS's intent was. Uh, And so we wanna make sure that folks are aware um, what the end result was. Moving on from, from the waivers to some other things that have been going on with COVID, as I have mentioned multiple times, uh, AMDA has continued to meet with both CDC and CMS to discuss the latest around COVID. Uh, of course, the concern nowadays is that uh, there are spikes in communities with the various subvariants of COVID, um, although uh, obviously the numbers uh, are not as uh, severe as they had been in terms of deaths and hospitalizations uh, as they had been during the start of the pandemic, it is still very concerning. Um, and uh, we are still uh, in sh- talking to CMS and CDC about messaging around uh, continued vaccinations for staff and residents. And in particular, the boost, uh, the boosters, the importance of boosters um, uh, it, you know, for both residents Uh, And of course, staff, there are still concerns uh, what these variants may bring, what kind of outbreaks. We are hearing from around the country that there are more outbreaks than there had been uh, in the previous several months. So that's something that, that, uh, you know, that we are watching. Uh, The other issue that has continued to come up is the availability of antiviral uh, um, uh, medications now. Um, and so the, the, some facilities we're hearing are simply not aware. Clinicians are simply not aware that, that they are available. Uh, pharmacies can order them. Some of them have them, some of them don't. Um, but, uh, you know, we are talking to CDC to ensure the availability um, of these antivirals and the medications that could still be Uh, Used uh, And that is obviously very important. So if you have questions, uh, if you've tried using them in your facilities and you've had trouble accessing within your pharmacies, please let us know. Uh, It's something we're monitoring very closely uh, and talking to the federal agencies, as I've mentioned.
0: And now a word from our sponsor. Your residents who have a neurologic condition or brain injury may not be crying because of their depression. It may be pseudo bull bar effect for resources related to screening for PBA. Please visit pbainfo.org. And now back to our podcast.
1: Um, so what else, uh, is going on? Obviously things on Capitol Hill, um, there have been confirmation hearings for the Supreme Court. There have been confirmation hearings for other positions that have been open. So that's taken up a lot of time. Uh, but uh, you know, given we're going into uh, an election year, a midterm election year, so a lot of bandwidth on Capitol Hill is spent with that. However, we are working when, uh, on, on several issues. There are some position payment issues uh, that are at the forefront. There are some cuts that are scheduled. Uh, to take effect, uh, sequestration being one of them. These are for Medicare Part B billing. Uh, And so, as always, we work in a very large coalition with many of the position specialty groups. And we continue to do that to uh, essentially, uh, for the Capitol Hill to understand the importance of continuing reimbursement um, for clinicians to continue to have access uh, to services. So that's one thing we're monitoring in terms of telehealth that I've already talked about, we are continuously talking to Capitol Hill about removing barriers to telehealth. It's also something we are uh, talking to CMS about. And so we're hopeful that, um, you know, we're able, there was legislation uh, passed earlier in March that extended many of the overall telehealth waivers, not the nursing home waivers, but the overall telehealth waivers for five months after the public health emergency ends. So things like the geographic restriction will still be in place even after the public health emergency ends for at least five months. But we are seeking some uh, permanent uh, solutions and we've heard from many members the importance of sort of understanding what permanent landscape around uh, telehealth will be like. Uh, in addition to that, we continue to talk to Capitol Hill in light of the report from the National Academies of Sciences that called out the need for training uh, and transparency around the medical director role. This is something I've provided updates on um, in these in these updates that we are talking to Capitol Hill uh, and again at CMS uh, about those issues, about providing a national public listing of medical directors so that the public uh, and the federal agencies are able to access that information. And we are hopeful uh, that we will get some some movement uh, around that. Um, I think those are the the major issues um, in terms of what's upcoming. AMDA will be uh, represented once again at the American Medical Association's House of Delegates. There are several resolutions that came out of the AMDA House of Delegates that our delegation uh, of uh, Carl Steinberg and Rajiv Kumar uh, will be presenting at the June meeting. So we will provide results um, of those actions at, at, at probably the next update. So stay tuned for that. We're hopeful that uh, we're able to make an impact and, and some inroads uh, in those policies at the AMA. Um, I think those are all the highlights. I think that's plenty. Again, uh, we want to thank all of you for staying engaged, uh, staying uh, doing what you're doing, being real advocates for your patients and your communities uh, as we continue to deal both with COVID, uh, a difficult political and economic environment. Uh, But we are hopeful that uh, we are on the right track. Uh, We have a seat at the table and we continue to get more seats at the table. And with your help, uh, we can advocate for for you, for for your practices. Uh, for your facilities, and of course, uh, first and foremost, for your patients and residents. Uh, Thank you again. If you have any questions, as always, please feel free to email myself or anybody at AMDA, uh, and we'll be happy to help you out. Thank you very much.
0: This podcast episode is sponsored by Avenir Pharmaceuticals. The content in this episode was not developed or endorsed by Avenir Pharmaceuticals. References from this podcast can be found at paltc.org policy.